0: A podcast
1: 1 production Hey, I'm former Australian beach sprinter and fitness trainer Katie Williams. When I was competing, I would do anything I needed to do to be the best. But now that I'm retired, I'm trying to develop a more balanced relationship with my diet, exercise, and my body image. In each episode, I'll try a different diet or lifestyle challenge for two weeks to see if it helps me think, move, or feel better. For the next two weeks, the challenge I'm taking on on is eating a high protein diet. High protein diet. The reason why I wanna do this challenge is because my protein at the moment is far too low. In one of the challenges I did recently, I tracked my macros and I noticed that my protein was under its normal range. So this challenge is the perfect opportunity to dive in deep, educate myself, and to see how I feel on a high-protein diet, how I recover on a high-protein diet. Plus, I've never done high-protein before, so I love doing challenges that I've never tried. My history with protein is interesting. I've never really been a big protein eater. Ever since I was a kid, I've never gravitated towards protein, and I've sort of held this habit. Yes, some days are higher protein than others, but on average, my protein is lower than it should be in order for me to keep up with my lifestyle and even change my body composition if I want to. Because I'm not eating enough protein currently, I definitely don't feel as full as I should be feeling after my meals. I'm not feeling as satisfied or as satiated after eating, which sort of makes me snack a lot. And I'm snacking on foods that are probably very high in carb haven't really found that many snacks that are high in protein. So I'm really hoping by adding more protein into my diet and adding more protein into my meals, I will feel fuller for longer. I'm also hoping by upping my protein that I'll recover faster from my training and hopefully get more out of my training. If I'm eating more protein, I'm recovering better and recovering faster. So this will be really interesting to track. Before starting this challenge, I want to speak to Bridget Hunt. She's a clinical nutritionist and she is amazing. I want to discuss the role of protein in the body, but in detail. I want to know everything there is to know about protein. I want to know how much men and women need on average and the difference between a man and a woman's protein intake. I also want to know how many grams of protein I need each day and what my macro split should be, which is a percentage of protein coming from my total calories. I'm here in the studio with Bridget Hunt, who is a clinical nutritionist. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm so glad you made it. So what is your background in nutrition?
0: Yeah, so I kind of came to be interested in nutrition probably a lot in my younger years when I was obviously, well, not obviously, but I was a, quite a sporty kid. So my initial interest was... um body composition and body image. So it kind of stemmed from that. I always sort of wanted to be skinny. So I would be a bit of an extremist with, you know, dieting or training a lot. Um, And then from there, I sort of thought, why not make a career out of it? And then I enrolled into the degree and I learned that there was a lot more to nutrition than just weight loss. So I have got um, a Bachelor of Health Science in Nutritional Medicine and I'm currently doing another um, Bachelor in Nutrition and Dietetics Honours Program at the moment. But I graduated from that one in 2018 and then throughout the process of having my kids, I've sort of had breaks and then I've gone back into clinical practice End of last year. So, just seeing clients one on one, it was just all so interesting. And yeah, I've just kind of been hooked ever since. You've gone down the vortex. I've, I'm, I'm in the vortex. I'm <laughs> right down the vortex. And now I can't stop. This is like my sixth year at uni. And by the time I finish this um, degree, it'll be, I would have been at uni for nine years. That's amazing. Wild. You're a proper lifelong learner. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, this episode is all about protein. Yes. And I want to talk to you about what protein does in the body?
0: So protein, uh, a shorter answer would be what doesn't protein do? Um, it is the building blocks basically to everything structural in our body. Um, it makes up our connective tissue, which, is our, which includes our blood um, and our skin and hair and nails and all that kind of stuff and all of our muscles. um, It's involved in hormone production, enzyme production. It's a factor in our immune cells, which is like our immunoglobulins. DNA synthesis, protein synthesis, muscle repair, muscle growth. It's pretty much involved in everything. It's a really, really integral part of our diet. That's why it's called a macronutrient. And so what is a macronutrient? So macros are our fats, carbohydrates and protein that make up the diet. And yeah, protein is obviously a really, really important one. So speaking of
1: carbs, protein and fat, what is the difference between the metabolization with protein and the other macronutrients? Do they work differently in the body?
0: Yes. So predominantly our body prefers to use carbohydrates and fats as energy source. And then protein is more of our structural and um, functional, I don't know, unit of the macronutrients. So basically we don't use protein as energy as such. It is a, the macronutrient that our body will basically try to spare. But if we do go into, you know, such a starved state where we aren't eating enough food, that is when protein will begin to be broken down and then used as energy.
1: So how much protein should an average person be consuming per day?
0: So there are a lot of differences between men and women and obviously age groups. So generally speaking, the NHMRC, the National Health and Medical Research Association, recommends that women between the ages of uh, 19 and 50 consume 0.75 0.75 grams of protein per kilo of body weight. Got gotcha. you. So that generally is around 50 grams of protein per day if you're 50, 60 kilos, for example. Um, and men's requirements are a little bit higher. Their requirements are 0.84 grams. Mm. Um, and then when in, in infancy, it's a lot higher because the metabolism is so much higher, there's so much more growth happening. And development happening in infancy and childhood, so the requirements are a lot higher. And as well in pregnancy and lactation, the requirements are higher because you know building another human human is hard work. Yeah. So I did
1: a challenge recently counting my macros, and I'm an intuitive eater. I've never I, I'm aware of calories and aware of probably how much protein, fat, and carbs are in some foods. Yeah. Uh, but my understanding is sort of basic. And yeah, I intuitively tracked macros. So I would eat my normal diet, what I felt like, wasn't thinking about, really wasn't thinking about anything, just eating what I wanted. And I did that for two weeks. And on average, my protein split macros were like 11, 15%. Yeah. So quite low. Yeah. And I'm quite active and was finding that I wasn't very satiated or full after my meals, was kind yeah. of eating a lot. Yeah, My calories were quite high, um, my fats were quite high, my carbs were high, but my protein was too low. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's kind of the reason why I wanted to have you in to chat about that because I want to get my protein up and I wanted to know how much protein should I be having and what percentage you think I should be working on?
0: Yeah, so generally if you are quite active, your requirements would be higher um, if you are doing like a fair bit of weight training and, yeah, if you are exercising a fair amount throughout the week, your requirements could sit anywhere between 0.8 and 1.2 grams per kilo of body weight. So it just depends on how heavy you are, mm. which would determine how many grams of protein you should aim for per day. So would a high
1: protein be, say, 25% of your daily intake? Or as a macro, if people were to look at their macros... And go. Yep, I want to be high protein. That should be twenty five to thirty percent. Yeah,
0: twenty five to thirty percent would be considered quite high. Generally, when we look at a high protein diet, we would calculate anywhere between one point one to, or sort of one point two to one point or two grams of protein per kilo of body weight. Yep. that would be considered a quite a high protein diet. Anywhere in between that, that's sort of what an athlete would consume. Would 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 require right. would be that sort of bracket of protein per kilo of body weight. Yeah, wow. With my background,
1: because I was an athlete, I was so, like I was very on to my diet actually. My protein was probably quite good when I was training. Um, but now that I've gotten older and I just exercise because I like to move and feel healthy, I haven't really felt the need to increase my protein. Plus I haven't really wanted, to, well, I suppose I have probably wanted to change my body composition, but as I've gotten older I've cared less. Yeah. So I think whenever I think of high protein, I think of bodybuilders or yeah. fitness modeling and yes. and everyone always says high protein lean. diets keep you lean. Yeah. And you know, I've never done a high protein diet, um, so I think it's going to be think, a really good challenge. Yeah, and
0: I think there are certain degrees to which, you know, a high protein diet uh, can be interpreted, I guess. Yes. You know, if you ask do think of a high protein diet as, you know, someone who's eating, you know, hundreds of grams of protein a day. That's crazy. It's it's, yeah, it's not good for you either. No. It puts a lot of load onto your kidneys. that has to filter that out consistently. So eating too high a protein diet is not good for you either. It's detrimental. Yeah. Bridget, this
1: is a challenge based podcast
0: and I brought you in the studio
1: to set me a challenge. <laughs>
0: what is my challenge? <laughs> Well, considering you mentioned uh, before that your protein when you did your macro challenge was sitting around 11 to 15%, um, I think it would be a good target to eat around or to aim for 1.2 grams of protein per kilo of body weight. So if you are sitting around 60 kilos or a bit below, it's going to be around 65 to 70 grams of protein per day. Wow. will be a really good place to start, I think, for you.
1: Yeah, wow. For two weeks. And what percentage do you think roughly for macros? Like 25% of my...
0: Yeah, I think 25%. 25% is overall... still going to be
1: hard to get in, I yeah, think. exactly. Looking at my diet now, it seems relatively low, considering I am quite active, and I also do get quite hungry after my meals, or yeah. I don't get as satiated as I'd like to be. Yeah,
0: okay. Like I don't
1: feel... I feel full but not full for hours and hours and hours. So I definitely am excited to do this challenge because I know I'm low in protein. I can feel it in my body. I want to recover better from my training sessions. I want to feel fuller for longer. So I think this is such a good challenge. So where should I be getting my protein from? Let's look at plant-based sources and then non-plant-based, so animal products.
0: So plant-based sources of protein are generally things like your legumes, so kidney beans, cannellini beans, chickpeas, lentils. Lentils are probably one of the higher in protein. Um, Nutritional yeast. Yes. Nutritional yeast is a really good one because it's quite easy to just chuck chuck in on your meals and it's relatively high in protein. Even things like spirulina. Spirulina in two teaspoons, so that's roughly 10 grams, has seven grams of protein. But, yeah, things like hemp seeds. Tofu. So tofu is a soy protein and soy protein is the only plant-based source of protein that does contain all of your nine essential amino acids. All of your plant-based sources of protein are generally missing one or two of your essential amino acids, whereas animal sources contain all the asen- all the essential amino acids. So let's look at uh, animal-based proteins. Uh, so things like poultry, beef, lamb, fish, eggs, they are all really, really high and good quality sources of protein. Um, they do contain all of your essential amino acids. So they are generally, the, it, it is the easiest way to get in a really good dose of protein is through animal sources, but it's not it's not essential. Plant foods generally tend to be a lot higher in phytochemicals and fibre as well, Um, and animal sources can be higher in saturated fats. So when you do plan your meals around plants and plant-based protein sources, you're generally getting a lot more nutrients and things like that as well. You're getting more bang for your buck. You're getting way more bang for your buck. You hear people talk about (laughs) having protein as a
1: pre-workout, and then you also hear people say it's so important for post-workout should I be having protein around my workouts? Like how do, you, how do you feel about protein timing?
0: So we're most metabolically active after we work out, but it's not integral that we do have that protein, you know, within a 30-minute period. Generally 30 to 90-minute period is when you are going to uptake a lot of those amino acids into your muscles, but within that 24-hour period is what's most important. So how will it impact my physical,
1: mental, and social health? If any. If
0: any. <laughs> If it will. So physically you could probably expect to see um, maybe better recovery from your workouts if you are someone who gets quite sore, you know, if you do go quite hard at the gym. You might start to see better recovery, better performance mm. even. You might, you know, get that extra bit of energy throughout your workout and not feel so sluggish. Um, but yeah, definitely energy stability as well. And mentally, you will be providing yourself with those building blocks to those neurotransmitters. So that could be also a potential uh, benefit and something that you might see, you might feel a bit more clear. I think as well, mentally,
1: I feel, I haven't started the challenge yet, but I feel like it's kind of an empowering challenge to do because I think getting enough protein is probably something that I haven't focused on and I like the idea that I'm starting a new challenge and it's something that I haven't really done before.
0: Yeah, you probably will feel good about knowing you are doing a good thing for your body. Yeah. You know, like this is stuff that we really, really need. Yes. called a macronutrient for a reason and you'll probably feel super empowered knowing that you are doing the things the that right your body thing. needs. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And I think the biggest thing as well is feeling satiated and full after my meals. Yeah. That's
0: definitely something that I'm looking forward to. And reduce cravings as well, possibly when you do uh, when you do stabilize your blood sugar levels, you will generally see reduced cravings because that's, so that's cool. when when your energy go spikes, your blood sugar spikes and then it dips. That's when we can uh, signal our brain signals basically cravings to say, you know, we need more sugar, we need more food, we need more, you know, whatever it is. So the more protein, the more stable your blood sugar is. Yeah, needs. it really stabilises your blood sugar. Oh, that's so yeah, cool. Yeah, so we could see reduced cravings as well. Oh, that's amazing. Do you think this challenge will impact my social health? Um, it can be something that can be a challenge when faced with trying to eat a plant-based diet if you are out um, and meeting those protein targets. If you are on an animal-based diet, it's generally not as restrictive, but mm. it can be something that you might need to be mindful of whether that be meeting your targets that day before you go to a dinner, for example. But, you know, it is 2020, so most places are very accommodating when it comes to dietary requirements these Absolutely. days. So I don't I don't know that you'll experience too many, you know, upsets with socially. socially yeah. yeah.
1: Do you think two weeks is long enough to notice changes?
0: I feel like two weeks will be quite, the, any sort of changes you will see will be probably quite subtle with consuming a plant-based diet and increasing the amount of protein that you're taking. You're naturally going to be increasing fibre, phytochemicals, so you will probably feel better just naturally by increasing the you know amount of vitamins and minerals you'll be consuming. Mm. So you might feel more clarity um, and you might feel you know, like you've got more energy and more, I don't know, less cravings and energy stability. Mm. So that's probably what I would expect to see over two weeks. But I don't think the changes would be overly drastic. So I do have
1: some of yours for this challenge. One of them is around eating out and trying to get adequate protein, eating out, and making sure I'm hitting all my targets. I I like the idea of being able to just cook my own meal and know exactly what's going in there. And I can follow the challenge to a T and do it properly. But my life is quite busy and I'm very social. Mm -hmm. So I eat out quite a lot. So I do have some fears around eating out and trying to make sure that I'm on top of my diet and doing it properly. Yeah, I definitely am not a massive protein eater. I just like really love fats and I really love carbs. So I sort of tend to flock to carbs and and fat. Like my ideal brekkie would be like a big bowl of oats. I have oats almost every day or I really love avocado on toast. So I sort of tend to flock to the fats and the carbs. So I'm not fearful of protein and I do definitely need more of it, but it's not my go-to. I don't sit down and be like, yes, I'm going to have heaps of protein today. So I definitely feel that there is a bit of resistance towards that, uh, because I'm more of a fat carb eater.
0: You would be surprised with eating a half a cup of oats with a quarter a cup of almond milk, um, you know, and some banana and cinnamon. Uh, You'd be getting roughly ten grams of protein in that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So so you are you will be getting protein in sources that you know you might not be specifically thinking that it's a protein source, but you will be getting protein. Amazing. And so if that you will do, accumulate. That's right. And if you do want to up that even further, you, that's when you can bring in your protein supplement. So you could add hemp seeds and you could add And some hemp seeds. Protein. For yeah. sure. Hemp seeds are great. Even if you're having avocado on toast. Yeah. Having the hemp seeds. With nutritional yeast. With nutritional yeast. Bomb. You just what proteined up that meal. Yeah. Add some chickpeas. Boom.
1: Boom. More protein. <laughs> so it's basically just jazzing up the food that I'm eating now to make sure that I'm getting more protein than what I normally am. Yeah. And, and this being more conscious. Those little,
0: yeah, that's exactly right. Yes. It's just creating awareness.
1: So my homework for this challenge is simple but difficult because I'm having to work <laughs> on my protein intake for every meal. So I'm having 60 to 70 grams of protein per day which will roughly make up 25% of my total sort of calorie intake. intake. Yes. Bridget, I'm now going to go buy my hemp seeds, my spirulina. I've already got nutritional yeast. So I'm going to load my cupboards full of high protein food. Thank you so much for coming into
0: the studio. That is my absolute pleasure. And I'm so excited to see how you go. I'll be calling you in between. How, letting you better send me screenshots of your MyFitnessPal. I will. And I'll be <laughs> vlogging the whole thing. Yes. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're welcome.
1: see the behind the scenes from this challenge, I do a vlog where I capture every day all the highs and all the lows. Watch it on my Instagram at Katie Williams. So this challenge is all about focusing on getting my protein up higher. So I'm aiming at about 25% of my macros. I've never been a massive protein eater, so this is going to be a pretty interesting challenge for me, but it's going to educate me and it's hopefully going to inspire me to have more balanced meals and to just load up on protein where some of my meals are a little bit low. Wish me luck, I'm gonna show you my high protein foods right now, let's go. Protein loaded smoothie bowl. I've got peanut butter, protein powder, cacao, cacao nibs, coconut flakes, frozen banana, frozen blueberries and almond milk. Oh, and hemp seeds. Whew, what a lineup. So far the challenge has been great. I haven't had to make any major changes to my diet, but I've just been a lot more conscious of some food swaps. So to give you an example, I found a whole lot of pasta, pulse pasta, edamame pasta, black bean pasta, which is super, super, super high in protein. I knew this existed, but I just hadn't really bought it that many times before. This meal has got 44 grams of protein, 52 grams of carbs, 11 grams of fiber, and 15 grams of sugar, 23 grams of fat. So this meal here is giving me 44 grams of protein. That's unreal. I'm going to dig in. I have had some challenges and one of them is it's really hard to track your protein when you're eating out for dinner um, and also if someone else cooks for you. You can estimate, but you don't have the exact rating. I'm finding the easiest thing to do is to just prepare my own meals, which has actually been hard because I feel like I'm always on the go. I feel like I do get takeaway quite a bit and I do eat lunch out a lot. But I think for this challenge being an experiment, um, it is really good to educate myself on this. And it's good to know what I'm putting in my body um, to make sure I've got enough energy and to make sure I'm recovering from this. So all in all, I think it's a really positive challenge and um, I'm enjoying learning more about protein and how much that I need. Okay, so I've been eating a high-protein diet now for two weeks and the challenge is now over. So the question is, am I better for it? The answer is yes, I am better for it. For the first few days for this challenge, I felt like I had to focus and concentrate more to make sure I was balancing my meals properly. So week one, my diet was a little repetitive just because I found it easy with tracking my protein. By week two, I was actually starting to guess how much protein was in my meals. And I was actually starting to get more creative with my meals as well. I found some really cool high protein hacks. You're going to think I'm an absolute weirdo, but I used frozen edamame in my smoothies along with banana and frozen zucchini, get my greens in. And I did this to load up on protein. I would add in a little bit of protein powder to give it that sort of sweeter taste. But a lot of my protein was coming from the frozen edamame beans. It added texture, it added nuttiness, and it also added a lot of protein. It blends up super nice in my smoothie, couldn't taste it too much. And that was just a really good hack. I took my spirulina, which gave me six grams of protein per serve, which is amazing considering that's just a supplement and I was only having a serve per day. But if I wanted to do more than that, I could have up my protein simply from spirulina, which I think is pretty cool. Also, cool fact: nutritional yeast, which is the vegan cheese, is actually super high in protein ten point four grams per two tablespoons, which is crazy. I was sprinkling this on every single one of my meals, which is giving me close to fifteen grams of protein by the end of the day. And I wasn't even using that much of it. So that's really cool. That was super high in protein and that kind of blew my mind. Some fears played out for this challenge, but not many. So I don't really like training on a full stomach and I don't like feeling really full because I'm bouncing around at the gym coaching and I feel like I don't want to have a heavy stomach full of food. But I actually didn't feel super full. I felt really satiated and satisfied after my meals. Yeah, I was full, but I wasn't super full. I wasn't uncomfortable. I could have trained if I wanted to, and I certainly didn't feel heavy at all. Eating out was a little bit tough to find high protein foods for me because I'm not a big meat eater. So finding plant-based options that were high in protein was a little bit hard. But if you want to be a little naughty, you can get a cheeky black bean and rice burrito, like a little Mexican takeout. And that is actually really high in protein. So physically I felt pretty great along this challenge. I felt fuller for longer and I snacked less. I felt like my energy was more balanced for sure. I trained well, I recovered pretty well. Fitness wise, there were pretty subtle changes. There was no massive differences to my physical body, particularly my body composition. But I suppose if I continued eating high protein for, say, six to 12 weeks and looked at my macros, my calories, I could have seen more muscle and less fat if I continued this challenge. Socially, throughout this challenge, there was no impact. The nights I went out for dinner, I made sure my lunches were loaded with protein and Basically, throughout the night, I could enjoy whatever dinner I wanted because I'd already hit my protein target or close to. Mentally, I felt good. There were no massive changes. You know, maybe I felt a little bit more empowered or excited that I'd become more conscious of balancing my meals more effectively and happy that I'd learnt more about protein and why I need more of it. So, yeah, I guess I feel educated and empowered, and I definitely know a lot more about protein and how much protein is in foods. So, I feel mentally good about that. But there was no massive, massive changes. Two weeks is definitely enough time for me to notice subtle benefits, more so from an educational and habit formation perspective. I'm definitely going to continue doing this long term. I feel that this amount of protein was really good for me. It's moderate to high. So that's estimating at 1.2 grams of protein per kilo of body weight or slightly less is probably what I'll be likely to continue with. I would definitely recommend people increase their protein if they're feeling really hungry after their meals, if they're not feeling satiated. It's not really something that we are deficient in because we're told we need a lot of protein, but there could be people like me who get super busy and just are not as conscious or aware of how much protein they're having. Plus, you do probably need to track your protein to see where you're at. Otherwise, you're kind of just estimating. So if you're feeling, you know, hungry after eating, if you're constantly wanting to snack, if you're not feeling full or satiated after your meals, you might need to look at your balance of meals. I would definitely suggest working with a nutritionist and don't make any crazy changes to your diet. Obviously working with a professional is the way to go. But, you know, you can start slow, eat from the earth when possible when you're looking for upping your protein. Aim for natural protein sources before powders. And we're picking a protein powder. If you are going to go for one, go for the one with the less ingredients. The more natural, the better. So the main question is, did eating a high-protein diet help me think, move, or feel better? And the answer is yes. So that's it for my two weeks of eating a high-protein diet. If you want to see the the behind-the-scenes from this challenge, check out my Instagram at Katie Williams. My next challenge is minimalism with Blake Worrell-Thompson. Join me next time to see if I'm better for it. Better For It was presented by Katie Williams and produced in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer, Lindsay Green. Audio producer, Darcy Thompson. And executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the free Podcast One Australia app or search Better For It Podcast.